I love the quarantine talk. Very nice. <laughs> <laughs> it seems to be what everybody's doing these days. Uh-huh. All right. So we can go ahead and get started. I think it posted in the event, so we should be good to go. Um, I just want to thank you for spending time with us, Aaron. Um, of course. Uh, if you guys are not familiar, Aaron is the founder of uh, the Dirty Dozen Project. Is that correct, Aaron? That's correct, yeah. Very nice. Um, so why don't you give us kind of a rundown for people that are not familiar with your project on kind of what it is in general. Okay, so the Dirty Dozen started maybe, I think it was about in 2017. So uh, at the time when uh, when I, I was in Truck Lagoon, I was, I was working as a cruise director for a liveaboard uh, called the Truckmaster. Yep. Okay. And I'd, I've been diving in truck for about a year, I'd say. Uh, so three to four dives a day, you know, absolutely in love with truck and all the diving that's, that's, uh, that you can find there, right? Before mm -hmm. I, I, I was working there, I'd actually never been there. So uh, it was all completely new to me. I was completely head over heels, but I couldn't believe uh, most of my friends uh, and my students, my clients from my old technical diving school hadn't been already. And uh, when I first went to truck, like my first impression was that it was uh, a destination for technical divers. And boy, I couldn't have been more wrong, you know, with 70% of the wrecks in, in recreational range, right? But when you get a CCR, you can spend a hell of a long time on a shallow wreck. Uh -huh. That's where things get fun. Um, but again, to where we came up with it, I think we were at the end of my stay. I was only contracted for a certain time. Uh, when me and the captain started talking about, you know, our dream itinerary. So where would we go? Um, what wrecks would we go to if we got to do the trip that we wanted to do? Yeah. Like complete and utter freedom, right? Uh, so considering that all the people on board were uh, CCR divers or OC tech, and uh, it would be a more technically focused trip. And um, I just decided, you know, why not? Let's let's make one trip. You know, let's yep. see what's the worst that can happen. I, I know lots of people that want to come. Uh, what should we call it? And uh, after a few beers, you know, we we came up with uh, the idea to call it uh, the Dirty Dozen, you know, after the old uh, war movie, Lee Martin and mm -hmm. all that, right? So yeah. that was actually the captain's idea. Uh, props to you, Martin, if you're following <laughs> us. <laughs> and after that, uh, we simply planned the one trip. Uh, Mark Powell is a, a good friend of mine. I think he's on your show uh, later this week. Yeah, right? yes, yep. Uh, next week, yeah, Mark yeah. is here, yeah. Yeah, so Mark uh, came along on this first trip. Uh, and that's when kind of the concept started uh, developing, right? So we we imagined uh, 12 divers, so that, that's the 30 dozen, 12 dirty divers with a special guest on board. Uh, that, so you have the opportunity to dive with your diving hero. You can have chats with him in the evening about his book. or uh, and, and also, you know, you're on a vessel that's, cater to tech divers. When we, when I first got on the boat in 2017, uh, Martin was building the boat uh, still for technical divers, right? Yep. Because uh, the boat was relatively recently launched at the time in truck. So uh, while we spent our time 
come together while I was working there. We had a lot of influence on how we got equipped, and we made sure it was, you know, uh, perfect. If you are an advanced nitrox diver, if you're a mod three diver, if you're a GUE CCR diver, if you're a chest mounted rebreather, side mounted rebreather, it doesn't matter. We have all the parts, and we wanted to make sure that we could provide the best kind of service for our clientele and. The first trip went so well that we did a second one the same year, uh, plus a bikini trip. And from then on out, I think we have 40 charters the next three or four years, I think, wow. something like that. <laughs> yeah, that's impressive. Yes. That's great. And, and one of the things I really want to like hit on is that you said that earlier that truck is for recreational also. Um, so many people don't understand that. They see all the tech pictures, they see all the tech stuff, but they don't understand that it's also got a recreational pull to it. Yeah, I mean, uh, while I'm talking, I can try and pull up my keynote application because I know I can share the window here somehow, can't I? I believe so. Uh, and I, I have this slide, which uh, would be amazing for your viewers to see, uh, just because it put things in perspective. So if I this is share screen, desktop, share. So can everybody see that? They should be able to, yeah. Yeah. So if you have a look, uh, can you see it, Jason? Yeah, I can. Looks great. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So if you have a look at that, it can it can clearly show you um, all the different wrecks in truck, and the and the green and the orange color is is representing uh, zero to forty meters, uh, or whatever that is in feet, and then deeper than that, obviously, is, is technical range. But if yep. you put that number together in percentages, you'll see that. Out of all the most famous shipwrecks in Truck Lagoon, 70% uh, of them are for advanced open water divers and beyond with deep specialty. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's great. I mean, that that's a big misconception that a lot of people have. Um, I mean, they, they see it, but like you said, you know, you got a rebreather, you got tactical capabilities, you're going to hit those deeper wrecks and you're going to spend a heck of a lot of time on the other ones too, if you can get that to happen. So. Yeah, I think I think it's something that's a bit of a misconception because when a lot of the people that come for the first time to truck with me, their initial impression is that they want to go, you know, to the deepest wreck and spend lots of time on it, and and that's fine. And we we also do that at the end of the trip. We let's say at the end, the forty percent of the trip, because we we do a slow build up, right, mm -hmm. um, is on the deeper wrecks exclusively. We do deep. Uh, deep dives, long run times, and the rest of it. But I'll be honest with you, I have uh, so much fun the first three days. Uh, I, I really vividly remember the last dive I did in truck as an employee uh, on, when I was on the boat. And um, it was a bit of a challenge because I took the CCR. Martin said we were on the biggest wreck in the lagoon, the high end. And he said, Go have fun because he knew exactly what I had in front of me. <laughs> what I had in front of me was, I, I was we, the challenge was to go in, you know, uh, at the bow and come out at the stern without seeing sunlight, pretty much. Nice. <laughs> and uh, on the on the last dive, uh, I managed. Uh, wow. Martin had shown me some tricks at the end, and and uh, and we made it possible. But you know, it, it's one of those things. Just because it's not super deep doesn't mean it's not interesting. I have some of the best dives uh, of my life on the shallower wrecks in truck uh, 
because that's where you can spend the time, the bottom time, and that's that's kind of what you want, right? You yeah. don't want to sit on the bar all day. You want to you want to be in checking stuff out. Yeah, exactly. That's great. Uh, why don't you pull down that rec depths chart if you can stop sharing so that they can see your face? Yeah. There you go. They want to see your pretty face. Yeah. Um, <laughs> A uh, couple people is separate. I don't know what they, where they're saying things, but they uh, they said cheers and raised a glass. So I figured might as well. All right. <laughs> yeah. So Shackleton cheers. and you got what do you got over there? Belvine. So. Belvine. Mm-hmm. Very nice. <clears throat> um, so why don't you uh, give us a little history about where you grew up and how you started diving and all that fun stuff. Yeah, okay, sure. Uh, I just uh, finished a huge Q&A uh, on uh, Scuba Diver Magazine about this kind of topic. Uh, Is you it can find it yet? on, yeah, yeah it's on, uh, if you know the webpage issue.com, and then you just find uh, Scuba Diver Magazine on there, and it's the newest issue, page 40. There's like a seven-page spread, a Q&A, uh, yeah. where I take people through it. But just to give you a, a slow rundown, uh, I grew up in Iceland, okay, uh, the first 13 years of my life. After that, I moved to Denmark, uh, did my, uh, it's a very classical thing Icelanders do. We, because Denmark used to occupy Iceland for many, many years, and when we finally became free and independent, just like the states uh, got in their time, uh, we, we sometimes go back for the free education. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we, I did that um and before my graduation uh, ceremony started i was already on a plane got out of there uh, i went to, to southeast asia uh, was diving there a lot i actually did my open water course in denmark and i hated it I'll be honest <laughs> with you, i really did not enjoy it uh, but that was more because of the instructor than anything um you know how it can be uh -huh. uh, if you hit the wrong instructor on your first course it can be a shit show yeah uh but um I went traveling and obviously started diving again with the right people and discovered it was something for me. So I stayed in, in Southeast Asia for a number of years um, in Koh Tao, if you're familiar with it, where, you know, 30% of the world is certified or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I spent a lot of time there. Uh, went went to Scotland. Uh, I was a shellfish diver in Scotland. We were using wow. electricity uh, to catch razor clams. Very interesting uh, occupation, and it's the first time I kind of got acquainted with uh, with technical diving. But uh, I can promise you, Jason, if I show you the picture uh, of me. Uh, <laughs> Going in for a shellfish dive, I don't think you would approve. It's probably the, 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 the DIR antichrist. Yeah, I bet it was. <laughs> you know, it was. I think I was wearing a dry suit only, no wing, a plastic harness. Um, there was a twin set, but only one post was occupied with the first stage. <laughs> and it was an international first stage, not a din. You know, it just couldn't have been worse. <laughs> yeah. In, in, in like seven knot currents and, 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 and freezing water and no visibility. Wow. So there you go. But I, I, sur I, sur I survived it. And uh, with the check, I got out of it. I, I bought my first diving center in, in Egypt, in Dahab, uh, with uh, two partners, Jonah Samuelson and Eric Brown, which I'm, I think you maybe know. Mm -hmm. um, and then we had our tech diving center there for five or six years, okay? 
and that was and then i think i come to me wasting all the money from that for a couple of years and then going to truck broke yeah. and then here we are <laughs> <laughs> that's great um what uh what led you into rebreathers that a uh, wonderful tactical setup you had or something else <laughs> How I got into rebreathers? Mm -hmm. um, wow, that is a very good question. Actually, I'm trying to remember now. That was about eight years ago, um, and I'll be honest with you, Dahab was not uh, Dahab, Egypt, the South Sinai Peninsula. Is you know, it's a depth diving mecca of the world. Actually, I would consider you know, with a blue hole, yep. uh, it's it's very often where where technical divers come to do, you know, 100 meters in blue hole, do their advanced trimix training, or even deeper, and so on and so on. And obviously the arch in the blue hole is a, is a big attraction, right? Yep. Um, most of that stuff we were always doing on open circuit. And uh, it wasn't until the prism came along that uh, I started diving a rebreather. So my first rebreather dive was on the prism, I think. And I, actually, it's right behind me, sitting very lonely, but diving <laughs> in the corner. <laughs> oh. um, but yeah, started started diving the rebreather and, and, and thought it was really interesting at the time, and we were doing it a lot, uh, but not as much as today, I'll admit. Uh, and it wasn't until I came to truck, and when I was in Mexico, maybe a little bit before, so let's say five years ago that I really started diving uh, CCR and almost well, 90, 95% of every dive I do. Um, yeah. And that's just because for me at the moment, I love wreck diving. So more yeah. bottom time for me is, is key. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, what led you to the Prism 2? Just availability? How did you, because that's you know the classic question, how do I pick which rebreather I buy? And there's all sorts of different answers with that. But what led you to the Prism 2? Well, before I drove the Prism, uh, I had the opportunity to dive on a variety of units. Um, I started, I think, on a, if you know Jamie McLeod, he's a, a wreck diving legend. Mm -hmm. He found the USS Legato. Uh -huh. uh, he passed away now, unfortunately, but he sold us his Inspiration Classic, uh, which is more than a museum piece, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, we, uh, we we started diving it, and it wasn't my most pleasant introduction to rebreather diving, I'll be honest. Yeah. Uh, but then, obviously, with lots of rebreather instructors coming to the dive center, so they were using our dive center as a facility, right? Yeah. Uh, there was, you know, plenty of opportunities to try different units, uh, but we were, so, so I got to try lots of units, but I wasn't really convinced. Um, but then when we started talking to Nick at Hollis and, 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 and we took on the, the prism, uh, that's when I kind of got serious with, with that rebreather. And yeah. uh, I've since then, I mean, even now on the dirty dozen, I get to try more different yeah. rebreathers than ever. Yeah, huh? um, and all of them are great. You know, we're just yeah. at that point of time in technology where uh, most of these rebreathers are excellent yeah. for whatever we're doing. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I've just found with the prism uh, that it works for me in whatever I'm doing. So yep. if we were doing uh, past uh, 300 feet dives, if we were diving in hellscape in Finland, where it's, you know, the water temperature is zero, 
Um, if I'm in caves, if I'm in racks, if I'm, it doesn't matter what I'm doing. It's yeah. just, you know, it, it, it works. And, yeah. and that's what I need. I need a workhorse that's reliable and, and breathes well. And that's what it's good at. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, not plugging the prism. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's like you said, a lot of the rebreathers are fairly equal overall. And, you know, it's, it's about, um, from my standpoint, it's it's what your resources are. What what do you have around you? What are your instructor capabilities? You know, what do you have there? Um, and yeah. I, I I I would never say that my repeater is better than anybody else's. It just works really well for me. Yep, exactly. So, um, local diving. How much local diving are you doing, or or where are you traveling to? I mean, not right now, obviously, because of the wonderful situation <laughs> we're in. But um, Plans, future plans, or what you've just gotten completed, or anything like that. What's going on? Well, I used to live in in Dahab for almost ten years now, and it's actually I should be there right now. Well, in a few days, um, packing up my stuff. Mm -hmm. But uh, obviously, with the current restrictions, I couldn't. But that used to be my local uh, diving. So I used to have beautiful Red Sea shore diving, obviously the blue holes, lots of canyons, all this kind of stuff. Um, Ukraine is our is, is our base right now. I'm in Kiev. There's obviously not a lot of local diving around here. Uh, but on the on the flip side, with all the charters, if it's, you know, we just came from Myanmar a couple of weeks ago, uh, and then we have bikini season, then we have truck, Galapagos. It's not like uh, we don't get out. This is basically just a, a base <laughs> for, for us to go between and uh, I think that's the best part about our umbrella company Blue O2 is because they have um, I think 16 boats in 15 different countries or something nice and uh, that means I'm currently occupying Myanmar Galapagos bikini and truck um, that's only four so there's plenty of keys to boats lying around it's just up to me right now to come up with something new and exciting uh, to be announced, I guess. <laughs> so the website for that is blue, the letter O, and then TWO.com, right? That's right, yeah, okay. blueo2.com. There, I put that um, up in there. So that's the parent company over Dirty Dozen? It's like, a, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, we're not, uh, we're not shaking hands and we don't own each other's stocks, but uh, we work together and gotcha. uh, they're our umbrella company. They, they take care of all our bookings. Never. Um, actually, it, it might be worth telling the people that are watching the show if they ever wanted to book a little board holiday. Now's probably the time because yeah. uh, the, pri the prices are cheap. Yeah. Uh, very cheap. I think I've seen some destinations at like forty percent off, fifty percent off. Wow. So um, if you're confident, if you're if everything's okay where you are uh, in terms of your finances, everything's all right. It's a pretty good opportunity, especially with their booking clauses, because you can just book on, and if if it doesn't work out because of Corona or whatever, yep. they just put put that money towards a credit, you know, three months from now, four months from now, whatever you want. So yep. um, I, and that's one thing I really don't like about this situation is you know. I try and promote my trips, and I still am. Obviously, I have uh, my trips this year are pretty much sold out, except for some last-minute cancellations. So I'm actually advertising 2021. Yeah. But it's always a, a, a matter of a fine line because I don't. I'm not encouraging people to travel. Right. I'm not. 
uh, until this situation worldwide is resolved and it is safe to travel and safe to enjoy yourself, uh, I do not recommend any travel whatsoever. Yep. Uh, ha having said that, I think that if we don't dream, if we don't plan and dream about something fun that we want to do, I think most of us are just going to get more depressed than we already are, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. It doesn't, it doesn't help anyone to, no. to just cancel every, everything. And if you even so much as mention as having a good time, you're a bad person. I don't, mm -hmm. I don't buy into that. So, yeah, I mean, let's all just dream and, 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 and try and make our projects happen. Yeah. Um, happy days. Yeah. So what do you got? Um, 2021, you said that's all through uh, Blue O2? Or is that uh, Dirty Dozen? So, I mean, uh, I mean, here, well, it's been a lot, a lot of scribble, but uh, our calendar for truck and bikini runs until December 2024, actually. Gotcha. And that's all with the same company, with Blue O2. All our okay. trips are with, with Blue O2. Um, Galapagos, we do the CCR only trips, uh, which we're very fortunate to be able to do because uh, the local contact there, uh, he only deals with a very few vendors and they're the only ones that are allowed to operate. So that's a lot of fun. You know, I can't wait to, to get more into Galapagos, uh, yeah. but that's also on our boats. Um, and then obviously the free diving, free diving trips we started yes. doing now as well. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, Favorite dive in the world, or you can do multiple ones and different things, but what's your favorite dive? What's the one that you would do over and over and over again? Damn, that's, that's a tough question. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's almost impossible to say because there is a, a lot of these dives where you would definitely do again and again and again. Um, but it's a question if you – well – that are fantastic when you experience them, but it's a question if you'll do them again. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> but yeah, it, it may, maybe uh, maybe it was so dangerous that you'd never want to do it again, but it was yeah. amazing. Maybe uh -huh. it was so heartfelt that you could never experience that again, or maybe it was a one-off. But I don't know. There's, there's one experience that, that uh, sticks with me right now, uh, which doesn't have to be sad or happy or anything. It's just interesting, and that was... Um, when I was uh, in truck again, uh, but I was on the San Fran and uh, a customer lost his $10,000 camera. <laughs> and I actually didn't, didn't do that dive. So I graciously volunteered to, <laughs> to go and pick it up um, nice. as you do, you know? Yeah. And I took, uh, took a $5,000 hydrophonic speaker with me that we have on the boat for diver recall. Uh -huh. um, I threw it in the water and uh, I attached my iPhone and I put uh, Pink Floyd's The Dark Side of the Moon on. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I jumped in. It was a solo dive, I'll admit it. Uh, I was blasting Pink Floyd. I found the camera in the first five minutes, but the dive was two and a half hours. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it took forever to find it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know where it was, man. Yeah. Oh, it's been an hour and a half deco for you. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, is there any place that's on the bucket list where you're trying to go, you haven't been yet, uh, that you're really trying to dive? Yes. Uh, right now, I'm just trying to take uh, take account of the resources that I have. So, obviously, we have lots of expeditions um, that are outside of my resources. Uh, that's Blue O2 with all their boats. Mm -hmm. Um 
but I'm really focusing on tapping into the resources that I have and inviting as many friends as I can to come along for the next couple of years. What we're doing on the sides, we organize these off-piste one-off expeditions that can be anything, if it's Antarctica or if it's, I don't know, Cocos or Solomons, or it could be actually, I'm, I'm doing four or five trips to Chernobyl this summer. Actually. I saw that, yeah. So yeah, so that's got nothing to do with diving, but I know that a lot of my customers that have been to truck and bikini specifically, they they are infatuated with the idea of coming to Chernobyl. Mm -hmm. And I'm two hours from there right now, so it's too easy for me to <laughs> take, to, to, to take the people there, actually. Yeah. Um, so so we're, we're, we're doing this. Uh, we're doing, uh, there's a space shuttle and Baikonur we want to see. We want to see the... ICBM uh, missile silo complex in Washington. I bet yep. you heard about this one. Yep. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. It never yep. ends. Yeah. Uh, I think a personal one for me uh, is the HMS Victoria, uh, which yep. is the only vertical wreck on the planet. It starts at uh, 70 meters and it ends at 140, more or less, if I remember correct. Wow. Um, and it is spectacular. Uh, the problem is getting permissions is impossible. I've tried to do it for two years, uh, three years without luck. And it's getting to the point where you have to decide, do I want to spend the night in jail and be beaten up yep. uh, for doing this act? Uh -huh. And I think that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's worthy. You got to take that risk, right? But the problem is here, you, I cannot do the dive on a Thursday because uh, if I do it on a Thursday, the prison will be closed on Friday and I can only get out on Saturday. So just as long as I don't dive Thursday, I'll be fine. All right, fair enough. That's a good plan. I see that you put a lot of thought into that. That's excellent. <laughs> oh, boy. That's the only advice I get. Just don't dive on a Thursday. You'll be fine. <laughs> nice. Uh, have you dove much in the United States at all? I know we've got majority of people on this are United States people, so I guess that's probably a question that we would have. Uh, well, not as much as I'd want. Yeah. Uh, I've been lucky enough that I have loads of friends in cave country. Uh, yeah. Derek Covington, shout out to you if you're there. Uh, yeah. uh, so when I'm in, in, in Florida, I always go to Gainesville, and I have lots of friends in the area that I stay with, and then we just go diving and and happy days. Nice. So Florida, yeah, I definitely really enjoy enjoy that. Uh, but much more outside of that, I can't say I have, but I want to, especially uh, after uh, my last trip in, uh, in the truck in December, and we had Jill Heiner on board, but we also had uh, a good friend of mine, Joe, uh, who was the president or was the president of the Sea Gypsies in New mm -hmm. York. And uh, he told me a lot of stories about uh, all the wreck diving that's off the coast in New York and got me very, very excited. <laughs> yeah. All right. And you got the Great Lakes and the St. Lawrence River and all that. Oh, yeah. Guys got all that. Yeah, great, great, great Lakes is a huge uh, bucket list item that never stops annoying me. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, we're uh, we're planning a trip out to Lake Erie pretty soon, um, hopefully. So we'll that's that's in yeah. the works of going out and checking out some wrecks in Lake Erie, and we always do St. Lawrence River, so which is. You know the shipping way for all the Great Lakes, which is nice. Um, oh, yeah. So you have to let me know. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, 
the St. Lawrence River getting up there is an hour away from, from me. So uh, you can do the, the Jodry, the Vickery, the America, the Keystorm, and go into Canada and do a bunch of wrecks, and, and there's plenty of that. And then Lake Erie and Lake Ontario is not too far. Ontario is tough because of the orientation of it. If the wind kicks up at all, you're done. So and you never know when it's going to go. But St. Pete's, all 1900s, 18, late 1800s, early 1900s wrecks. So can't take anything. All the New Englanders want to come and rip stuff off our wrecks, but uh, yeah. can't take anything out here. No, no, so. no. It's, it, it's not happening. <laughs> obviously, you have the air, air, aircraft carrier in Florida. That, that's always yeah. been, a, been a long push of mine yeah. after Saratoga. Yeah. Um, man, Saratoga is a great wreck. <laughs> <laughs> See, they're, they all start popping in, right? It's all of them. All of them are great. So. Yeah, yeah, now it starts. Yeah, after that the last sip, now I start remembering. Now, um, <laughs> uh, if I if I tell you about an aircraft carrier, the Saratoga in bikini, uh, the best way I can I can describe it is uh, it's like a shopping mall during the zombie apocalypse. So very much like right now, actually. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so so you basically walk into or swim into the Saratoga, and just like a mall, there's lots of different floors. Uh, on the Saratoga, and there's stuff everywhere on the floor. You know, windows are broken, doors are shattered, just like it would be in the zombie apocalypse. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the best analogy I have for people when they ask how the Saratoga is. But you know, you have dozens and dozens and dozens of rooms. Uh, each one after the other is just more exciting, and uh, with a very limited amount of people having visited Bikini. I mean barely a hundred a year during high season. Yeah. Um, obviously there, there's no, no pillaging, if any, uh, there's just a lot of stuff there, you know, uh, the dentistry in the Saratoga, uh, a very famous place is breathtaking to say the least. Um, you know, it's a dentistry from the forties, um, or probably a bit older since the ship, back to 1918 but um it just looks like you can sit down and have an appointment right now it's yeah. in that good condition that's crazy um but the way to get there is not straightforward you have to go down some levels you have to go you know front and then go back and into different rooms and it it's not uh, straightforward and you can almost guarantee 99.9 percent .9 a complete silt out um, so, you know, I think the biggest contrast you have between truck and bikini in that aspect is you need to be an experienced wreck diver if you want to enjoy bikini to the fullest. Mm -hmm. uh, truck Lagoon is, it, well, you can't call Truck Lagoon a warm-up, but it kind of is <laughs> if, if, your end goal is, if your end goal is bikini, right. that is. Because in bikini, you have battleships that are humongous, that are upside down. Yeah. Um, and then you have obviously the Saratoga, forty thousand ton aircraft carrier, and you have this, and you have that. Um, there, uh, yeah. So there's a lot more challenges. Uh, you need to know what you're doing, and rebreather is definitely preferable to open circuit in Saratoga. Uh, number one, because helium is not readily available to spend on open circuit. Yeah. Uh, just because we don't have it, uh, and it's very, very expensive. What's it going um, for a cubic foot? For, or, uh... How do you uh, per liter is 20, uh, 20 cents a liter. Okay. So uh, I'm not sure whether it's cubic foot, but it's uh, three times the price it is in the Middle East, for example. Yep. So, yeah, it's a lot. 
Yeah. Uh, and then it's also just the fact that when you go into that complex or an overhead environment, uh, a rebreather is a much, much, much yeah. uh, preferable diving tool to use mm -hmm. simply because you have that endless supplier, supplier gas, right? Right. Exactly. And that's what you need if shit hits the fan. Mm -hmm. um, logistics of getting to bikini. Uh, I don't think a lot of people that are jumping on might not understand how the logistical challenges even getting to bikini. What you got essentially, what you guys take care of in that aspect. Um, can you yeah. touch on that a little bit for me? Um, sure. Uh, assuming you, uh, the people watching don't know how to get the truck in the first place i mean let's so let's maybe take it from there and yeah, jump sure. forward so if Perfect. you want to go to if you want to go to truck uh, you basically need to get yourself to one of three places you need to get yourself to guam hawaii or papua new guinea well papua new guinea is not really an option anymore but definitely say hawaii or guam okay and from uh, those two places you're going to get on an airplane from united called the island hopper and that uh, airplane will take you to truck it's going to be one stop from Guam, or it's going to be many, many, many stops, six or seven from uh, Hawaii. Uh, so plan it carefully. I mean, if you do this uh, flight once, it's enjoyable <laughs> because you, you, you fly over lots of very pretty islands, and I will admit the view is spectacular, uh, but landing six times in a row over a 10-hour flight is, is not my... my uh, idea of enjoyment. So if you can do it from Guam, much more preferable. But anyway, um, the time that it gets to get there is about 30 hours, okay? No matter where you are in the world, more or less. Yeah. Uh, if you take Bikini, Bikini is in the Marshall Islands, which is next to Truck or the Federated States of Micronesia. It's in the neighborhood, let's say. So you're using the same airplane, okay? Yeah. But when you land in Truck, uh, the boat is there, you know, you jump on a bus for 10 minutes, you jump on the boat, happy days. Um, in, in Bikini, you land on a U.S. Army base, uh, meet some uh, Army fellas with uh, machine guns and <laughs> in the customs, <laughs> and they're doing lots of paperwork to maybe let you in, and then uh, your luggage maybe arrives uh, because they're really bad at... Uh, Counting luggage in Kwajalein, um, and then you have to get to Ebai, which is the sister island of Kwajalein, because they actually kick you off Kwajalein. You're not allowed to stay there. It's a U.S. Army base, and then you stay on what is almost the most densely populated island in the world with one hotel <laughs> uh, until you board the boat from that island, and then you travel additional 28 hours to get to Bikini. So what I'm trying to tell you, the total travel time to Bikini is 70 hours versus 30 from truck. So, you know, you're talking like three days yeah. traveling each way. Um, it, it's just madness, really. Yeah. Um, it really is. I mean, the best advice I can give you if you're traveling to Bikini is arrive a couple of days before, I know you'll send me a message, a message saying, Aaron, I hate you. I'm in a hotel room and I, I can't stand this place. Uh, but uh, arriving a couple of days earlier gives you the luxury of being able to get your luggage. Mm -hmm. Because if they, if they lose luggage, and I've heard of people uh, losing, there was a group that uh, six out of eight lost their luggage. Jeez. 
and they had they had to go to bikini without their rebreathers because they arrived the same day as departure and the boat doesn't wait two days no. for you because they have to crack on yeah so wow. if if anybody wants advice the best advice i can give you is if you're flying to bikini get there two days early so if anything goes wrong you can talk to the airline you can get the luggage sent to the next plane uh, because you, um, i can't tell you how you know it yourself. If you're a rebreather diver and you go into bikini and you your rebreather doesn't show up, you're gonna be you're gonna be upset. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> so, um, since I've got you, why don't you kind of give us a rundown of? I mean, some people might not even know what bikini is. So, what is bikini? Why is it a destination for divers? Um, I mean, the, the number of people I've talked to that have no clue about truck, let alone bikini, is is astonishing. So um, why don't you give us a rundown of what bikini is and why it's a draw? Sure. Uh, it might be a good opportunity to use this keynote again because yeah. it's actually about bikini. Uh, there's uh, a couple of videos in there. So uh, if hopefully the audio plays, you can actually see uh, Operation Crossroads um, happen in real time. It's something I edited from uh, your government archives. So let me see if I can crack it up. Let's see. So let's go back to Zoom, share screen, desktop. Okay. Can you see this? Yes, I can. Okay, great. So this video is something that I made about uh, Operation Crossroads. Uh, what is Operation Crossroads? So after the Second World War, um, obviously the Allies won, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, the U.S. had had the chance to use the atomic bomb on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, right? Um, a fun fact that not many people know is that there was a meeting uh, to use a nuclear device on truck, uh, but it didn't get approved. Uh, my point being here is when they came out of the war, they won. They had this weapon of unparalleled destruction. Um, they started thinking, well, you know, we, we never got to test this on, on a fleet, did we? So now we just won the war. We've taken the, the capital ships of the Nazis, of the Japanese, you know, the, the Nagato, the Prince Eugen, all these... Nagato, the, the IJN Nagato is the vessel where uh, Admiral Yamamoto launched the attack on Pearl Harbor from. You know, you can imagine how important this ship is, right? So the American, they, the Americans, they have this ship now, uh, along with the Prince Oiken and the rest of it, uh, as, as war prizes, and they decide to put them into uh, a lagoon in Bikini Atoll, okay? So they put a target fleet together with lots of famous vessels. Uh, they bring a huge support fleet along. They bring two nuclear devices. One of them is aerial, and one of them was put underneath the water, aquatic, um, with the same yield as the bombs in uh, Hiroshima. And, uh, and they let them off. And they took uh, over half of the world's cinema equipment to film this. Uh, they brought a lot of foreign dignitaries, especially the adversaries, to basically, well, this is my personal opinion, but I think they were sending a message, if you mess with us again, um, this is what will happen. Yeah. Uh, so let's see if I can launch this full screen. Play it. There we go. 
we're not getting audio over here on that. Is this the one that's posted on the Bikini, the uh, Bikini Atoll Dirty Dozen site? Yeah, yeah. So okay. you can see this also on our YouTube channel if you Google the Dirty Dozen Expeditions. I just posted um, it on the feed, so it's 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 uh, posted up on there. Um, yeah. Because yeah. we don't have audio because it's going through your headphones. Strangely enough, I can hear it. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. So... Um, well, I can talk you through it. There you have yeah. a target fleet, and this is where they launched the aquatic bomb, not the aerial bomb. And, I mean, it speaks for itself, really. Wow. And uh, this this amount of destruction that came out of this bomb was, was nothing anybody had anticipated. was uh, much less destructive. It was also a bit of a flop because they kind of missed the target, right? So if we just go back here, I can show you what it was all about. So again, nuclear test, one aerial, one aquatic. The target fleet was 95 ships, support fleet was 150, and there was 42,000 staff. Uh, in the end, 20 vessels got destroyed in Bikini Atoll, but there's only 10 main wrecks. Uh, barges and stuff like that obviously vaporized. It doesn't exist anymore. But yep. uh, we have 10 main wrecks, nine of which are in Bikini, in the lagoon in Bikini Atoll. And then we have one wreck, the Prince Eugen, uh, from the Germans, which is in Kwajalein, where it sank, uh, where it was actually being taken back. Um, so, yeah, this is actually the route that you take when you're uh, going from Kwajalein to Bikini on our boat, so that's about 30 hours, 26 to 30. Uh, this is target area once you get to Bikini. Uh, so yeah, the aerial test, uh, AKA ABLE, uh, 23,000 ton TNT are the same yield as Hiroshima. Uh, 500 meter fireball started fires three kilometers away and sank five ships. If we switch to Baker, AKA the Helen of Bikini, you can see it's the same yield, but 5.5 Richter scale uh, earthquake, uh, 30 meter tsunami, uh, 4 million tons of sea and sand evaporated, and double the strength. So, uh, Baker, the one you saw in the video, obviously much more effective. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I have a fun side note there if you see that picture, because uh, Women wear bikini today, and they never actually think about where the name came from. Yep. And it actually does come from Bikini Atoll. And the guy in the picture is the inventor of the bikini. And uh, he saw the tests and decided he wanted to create uh, explosive undergarments. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 so he did, and that's the bikini that we, we know today. <laughs> that is impressive. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> uh -huh. Is that Saratoga there, that picture? Uh, uh, so this picture, that's Antti Ahmanen from just, Divers of the Dark gotcha. uh, swimming in the midst of the 16-inch guns on nice. the IGN Nagato. So gotcha. at the time when these were built, they were the biggest uh, battleship guns in the world. Wow. Um, nothing can really prepare you for when you dive it the first time, I can tell you that much. It, it's yeah. in about you know, 55, 60 meters, so 200 feet uh, of water. Um, I think to get this shot, we spent, oh, 
my god we must have spent 45 minutes or something just mm -hmm. there yeah setting up lights and doing it over and over again yeah I'm, I'm big into rec photography it's a big passion of mine yeah um which is something that reflects on our trips because i always post i spam people with lots and lots of photos <laughs> <laughs> I don't think people realize what goes into a setup like a picture like that, like you said, 40 minutes at that depth, too, because so, you know, what are you yeah, looking yeah. at? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I think in this photo alone, we have 130,000 lumen or something like that. Yep. Uh, yeah, I know. It's a, it's a huge setup. You're you're basically going down there in mind to take a photo, and you, you've already planned a substantial amount of decompression. Yeah. So if you're diving with a rec photographer deep in tech, they are going to put you to work. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, auntie, auntie can be the first one to tell you how annoying I am. <laughs> um, by the way, this is the, the schematics, one of the schematics of the Saratoga. Um, I have a PDF file on 30,000expeditions.com. So if you go on Bikini Recs, uh, and you scroll down to the Saratoga, there's a link to the PDF file, which is 16 pages of the original schematics been digitized. Um, and we print these out usually in like 10 feet uh, <laughs> prints. And then nice. we layer the floor of the saloon with them on the boat, um, which looks, looks a bit nuts. <laughs> yeah. Basically, it just becomes the floor. And then you're uh, discussing... Uh, your next penetration, what you're going to do, um, because it's not, I mean, I, I can't zoom in on this uh, presentation, but there, there's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot to do. So where'd you say we could find that schematic? Dirty Dozen? Uh, it's at dirtydozenexpeditions.com, and then you go under bikini, and the subcategory is called Rex, and as you scroll down, you'll find the uh, uh, the Saratoga, and there's a link. Click here for for the PDF. All right, I will uh, post that up in the chat box here, so everybody can find that easy. Yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. uh, one thing that really annoyed me, kind of, when I was getting into truck, you know, I would Google endlessly to collect information, prepare myself for what I was about to do. Uh, it's a big thing going halfway around the world for this amount of time, so I wanted to read up. Uh, but it was very hard to find uh, a lot of the information I wanted, and it uh, really annoyed me actually. Yeah. So, the last three years, you know, I've been compiling this database, uh, be it albeit creating photos, videos, uh, writing. We have a massive blog page on the website, uh, you know, with entries like how to pack for bikini, and we created a checklist how you pack for bikini. Or, mm -hmm. A detailed description of every rack with 20 photos and a gallery to show you the highlights. Just whatever I thought was missing on the web, I've really tried to compile it on our web page. So if you go on billydozenexpeditions.com, just have a look, spend 10, 15 minutes exploring. Uh, I'm sure you will find something you didn't find on Google otherwise. Yeah, it's a great resource. It absolutely is. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is a fun picture. Um, so once you get into the elevator shaft of the Saratoga, um, this, uh, it doesn't come out so well on, on digital devices, but uh, all the arrows obviously uh, pertaining to a penetration, mm -hmm. <laughs> just going into that elevator shaft. Yep. So, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of fun stuff to do. 
Um, what else we got? Oh, that's the dentistry I was uh, talking to you about. It's the chairs. Wow. Uh, yeah, that's in the dive locker. Famous, famous helmets, right? Lots of bombs. Wow, actually more in truck, to be honest with you. And now obviously <laughs> we have the planes and the tiger sharks. Oh my goodness. Um, you know, you, you, you think about seeing tiger sharks as your absolute dream, and it is to a certain extent. When I came out of my first penetration on the Saratoga, I was with Richard Lundgren from GUE and mm -hmm. Jesper Kuller. And I remember I was squealing in my loop like a little child because I was so happy. I've been in there for two hours plus, right? Uh, and it was my first time. And uh, then we come up to the bar and... Well, no, actually, we're swimming along the flight deck on the Saratoga, and all of a sudden, this two, three meter tiger shark just swims right past us, like not really giving a shit. And uh, that's when you think, you know, can this get any better? This is the right. best time of my life. Uh -huh. uh, and it was until we got to the Digo Bar when it started circling the Digo Bar incessantly for an hour and a half. Um, <laughs> And, and that's when you the, the, the novelty kind of wore off. Yep. Um, when you're looking over each other's shoulders, because you have to remember, at the end of the day, they're they're, they're juveniles, right? Yeah. Uh, the ones that are in Bikini Lagoon, and and uh, I'm not saying they're going to do anything, but I'm also saying they're curious. Yeah. Uh -huh. And uh, and you're wearing electronics, you got cameras, you're emitting all sorts of signals. You know, they're they're yeah. going to want to like, what's this? Oh and, yeah. Yeah, it, it does cross your mind. <laughs> <laughs> Sand tigers are like that in North Carolina. They bump you. And I had a, a nurse shark that just would not leave me alone in Belize because of the, the uh, we're guessing the electronics on the rebreather. It just wanted to to play. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, no. <laughs> I'll show you the video it's sometime. Sad. She just put her nose into my camera. It was interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely been some uh, encounters over the years. But yeah. It's all part of the fun. It is. Got some China there. Yeah, I got some China. It's like a classic exit. Yeah. Uh, just silt, silt everywhere. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, because bikini, I mean, because it's not so frequented. Yeah. People, uh, well, the silt accumulates. You know, yeah. Where you, if you go into the engine room of the biggest wreck in truck, you'll find... Uh, it doesn't sell very much because people are in there all the time. Yeah. But you take a place like the Saratoga, which uh, this video is going to take you to, and, and you have this these silt uh, layers that are quite thick. And um, the silt is so fine. It could be the best diver on the entire planet, but just the water movement touches it. It just goes... Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then uh, that's it. So... Anytime, oh, yeah. well, anytime you're in overhead diving, you obviously lay a line, but it's yeah. incessantly important to uh, yeah. bikini. Yeah. I got a couple of friends that could silt out truck if you gave them the opportunity, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's always that one. Right? <laughs> what are you doing? Too funny. Um, yeah, I mean, bikini just seems unbelievable to me. And I mean, truck's a destination for me, but bikini is just, has always been beyond even that for me but like you said it's crazy to get to um yeah 
we had a question a little bit ago um, with all the traveling back and forth. Um, this is from a prison two diver. With all the traveling back and forth, island hopping, all that. How do you how do you pack your rebreather? Make sure it stays safe. What 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 uh, protocols do you use to get it back and forth from the islands? Okay, that's a good question. Uh, one thing I'll I'll really quickly mention. Uh, and something that people ask me a lot about bikini is it seems like it's an unrealistic adventure for most because mm -hmm. they're gonna be paying you know seven eight sometimes nine thousand dollars and then flights yeah. and the rest uh, to go on the trip so it's like nobody can afford this I can't afford this right. I work at this uh, but uh, that's kind of how we set ourselves up with this business is we have schedules until you know late 24 yep so you could actually say come to me and say hey Aaron I want to go to bikini in 24 the dates are on the website that I just mentioned um, I'll tell you hey listen put a tiny down payment down to lock your seat in and then your next payments gonna be in two years but at least you're on the boat or, or you could say you pay you know a, a small percentage every year so we can kind of become your piggy bank yep um, because I, I know my, myself, I'm not that uh, responsible about my, my spending money, you know, so <laughs> I, I know how it feels. But if somebody takes it away from me and I forget about it, then, then uh, it's good. It helps you make that dream kind of come true. Uh, but coming back to your question about the prison, um, I've done a few things over the years. Uh, <laughs> one thing I actually started doing uh, on the truck master, our boat, was I left the rebreather on the boat. <laughs> yeah. um, that, that worked really well and it was really awesome because I could just leave uh, with uh, one bag and that was really light and then uh, come back and everything would be there. Uh, but that, that, that's not practical for the average uh, traveler. Um, I would usually use uh, one of those TSA approved Pelican cases. Yep. Uh, and then I definitely I would get the head in there, uh, the first stages, uh, maybe some hoses, definitely computers and stuff. Uh, just be yeah. careful because um, you know the watertight seal on a Pelican case. <laughs> you put a hot cable on top of that and close it, and it's gonna break. I, I can guarantee you. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a story behind that one? <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, but uh, I would definitely put uh, the head. Uh, in your carry-on, that's the, yeah. that's the takeaway. The yeah. head is the most important part in the first stages, um, and then the rest. You know, I, I usually just put in check-in luggage, and and uh, what what's really helped for me is to have. I use, for example, the orange uh, expedition bags from Fourth Element. Yep. So you know, all the bags are the same color, the same size. Uh, they all have my business card on them. If you're a frequent flyer, they put a priority tag um, yeah. on your bag, right? Yeah. So all this stuff really helps, especially on the island hopper, because uh, the island hopper is going to seven different destinations in one go. Yeah. So the way they pack the luggage on the plane, it's really easy for it to get confused, and that's where you have issues. Right? Mm -hmm. So I always try and stick with uh, the same alliance so like i use star alliance for example because it connects with united and united is the kind of the only carrier to truck and bikini yeah uh, so so as long as i fly with the star alliance uh, from my point of origin to truck i'll be fine because those companies talk together it's very easy to to book your luggage all the way there mm -hmm. but 
what I've seen is if people book three different tickets, it's always a complete nightmare, especially if they book the luggage all the way through. It's, oh, yeah. It doesn't it doesn't end well. Um, so definitely play with the rules. You know, pick a airline alliance that you have and stick with it. Uh, because, like right now, with my status in United, I think I have uh, in pounds, like two hundred and ten pound allowance nice. for free when I check in, which is amazing. Yeah, you know, that's that's definitely a rebreather and a half there. You know, right. That that uh, was the that was my next question was you know baggage fees and all that hard hard pelican cases rack up your weight pretty quickly so yeah i mean I, when i first started doing it i was paying four or five hundred dollars in extra luggage mm -hmm. uh, but that's me taking all the spare parts lots of other stuff for the business and so on yeah, yeah. Uh, but it wasn't sustainable so obviously i had to rack up the status with uh, united pretty quick but once yeah. i got it uh it was a breeze i mean yeah. I never pay for anything, and they upgrade you on two out of three flights, really. Once right, you yeah. Get there, so. yeah, the one-off is what what hurts you, but once you if you're traveling consistently, you can develop different things. I'm the same way with when we run our trips. I always have an extra bag full of stuff for people. Um, yeah, that, exactly. Know, group that I'm leading, so at least an extra bag. Yeah. So I bring a yeah. pair of shorts and a shirt and my rebreather, then parts for everybody else. <laughs> That's pretty much it. I mean, they they they. They, they, uh, I'm really pissed off uh, with the uh, with the current situation because they gave me like ten grand worth of upgrades for 2020, and it doesn't look like I'll be able to use it. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, this <laughs> it, it is. Yeah, it is. Um, where are you? Are you presenting any presentations anytime coming up or anything like that? Or, I mean. Everything's kind of on uh, I was hold, supposed but... to be in New York uh, today. Uh, there's lots of trade shows that mm -hmm. were coming up where we could have met, like that USA or the rest yeah. of it. Um, I was going to be in Sardinia in June. Um, some, yeah, no, there was lots of things going on, but obviously with the current situation, right. um, it, it's all been put on hold for now. Yeah, unfortunately. Uh, I think we're, what we're doing now, we're just looking towards, you know, the late summer and autumn. Uh, that's yeah. where things start kicking off uh, again, hopefully. Yeah, it looks like October, November is going to be busy for everybody giving presentations and stuff because everybody's moving to that. <laughs> so. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> but it's, I mean, it's, an, it's a dynamic situation, so it's, it's just right. impossible to say, really. But yeah. I think what we'll be doing... Uh, the next couple of days, I'll be finishing up uh, writing the Chernobyl program. So I'll start releasing some blogs on that. Um, if, you don't, if you don't mind, I'll probably steal your idea a little bit and start talking to people myself. I would love that. <laughs> Hell, absolutely. I'm, I am shocked more people aren't doing it. I have no clue why. We're, uh, there's a couple of people doing it, but I'm like, how has no one else picked up? It's been a week now, and everybody else is like, that's a good idea. Uh, okay. <laughs> Do it. Come on. I can, I, I can invite you on the show. Oh, sure. I'm not that interesting, but go right ahead. <laughs> that works. Well, yeah. So uh, that, I think that's a big part of, of, the, of the future. Yeah. Uh, the next coming months, doing stuff like this. Uh, I, was actually, I just downloaded the app today, and I was really pleasantly surprised of the functions. I mean, this, this screen sharing, all this stuff live, it works really yeah. well. Yeah. Um, well, as I said, it's a little bogged down because everybody's doing it right now. But the teachers are all on Zoom. My wife is a teacher. She's on Zoom like crazy. We have to use it for our college classes, all that. Um, mm. But, yeah, um, it seems to be the way we're going right now with stuff. So it's pretty interesting. 
But uh, that is essentially our time. I don't think anybody else, I think I got everybody's questions um, that anyone asked that's in there. What we've been finding is people start their own watch parties and all the questions are external to that person. So we might get right. some that pop up in here periodically. Um, Oh, if, if anybody puts a question in your comments, I'll be happy to, you know, plug in there and, yeah. and answer. I'll tag no you. Um, any projects you got coming up, just send them to me and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll share them. So we'll, uh, we'll be working together on that sort of stuff. So. Yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, I just found out if you, did you see the dive odyssey, the project about Hell's Gate? Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, I just learned that the behind the scenes, which I was filming, uh just got released <laughs> yeah. so uh it's online now um i should send you the link and you can share it with the guys yeah, it's actually just... quite interesting yeah because uh, hellscape was like a dive site that i wanted to do since i was a kid and then i got to do it and it is everything that it was played up to be so uh, it's kind of a behind the scenes on the production is that on youtube uh yeah it's on youtube i can find it once i leave this chat and i'll uh i'll send it to you that works. Uh, I already got it. Yeah. And uh, guys, if you want to ask me any questions about truck bikini Galapagos, have anything really, um, just find me on, on Facebook, go on the webpage, 30dozenexpeditions.com. We have an inquiry form at the bottom uh, where you can leave a name, email, and then questions. Um, I'll be happy to to answer. I think we, I just installed um, a Facebook Messenger chatbot. Um, on the website today so you can actually reach directly into my inbox on that if you want instant answers so uh nice it's not like we got anything else to do right right so. exactly <laughs> i put your contact info i put the uh, dirty dozen contact for bookings up on the the chat here a couple minutes ago so that awesome. pops up too so that anybody that's interested comes up um yeah appreciate that jason yeah, thank you absolutely i'm uh i'm trying to save my pennies and uh see what's going on and get on that pam and uh pam wooten and uh jill heinrich the charter you guys got going so oh yeah january 22 it's going to be a good one it, and there's a lot of people that are actually still interested uh, yeah given uh, circumstances uh yeah but it's some great people to be on a boat with we had a we had a really good time in january it yeah was fantastic yeah i got jill jill's coming on the show on friday a uh, show is coming on the live feed on friday and then pam is a little bit after that so so yeah i'm sure they'll be talking about it no worries so. awesome Cool. Well, I'll be I'll be tuning in. All right, excellent. I'll see you there. <laughs> Beautiful. All right, I'm gonna let you go. Um, cheers, and um, I'll be talking cheers. to you. Cheers. I'll be talking to you soon. Talk soon, buddy. All right. Bye, everyone. All right. Thanks.